Welcome to the Arlington Street Church podcast. Boston Sanctuary since 1729, Arlington Street continues today as a gathering place for progressive people of faith in the Boston metropolitan area and beyond. Please visit ASCBoston.org for more information about this historic Unitarian Universalist congregation. We're located at the corner of Arlington and Boylston Streets in downtown Boston, Massachusetts. Arlington Street Church, gathered in love and service for justice and peace. It was the summer of 2005. I was working on a film set. Part of my job was to find people who could take a 1920s house in Dorchester and make it look like a 1970s house in Southie. Wallpaper had to be stripped and changed, the woodwork painted, the bathroom retiled. It was a complete rehab involving a lot of gold and avocado. That summer was also predicted to be one of the hottest in memory. So the crew would need to stand for three weeks, 10 hours a day, six days a week, in an unair conditioned old house surrounded by plaster, glue, and fumes. Like much of the film industry, we paid more in fame and less in fortune. I was fortunate to find a team of four scenic artists led by a wonderful woman named Lisa, and I immediately dedicated a production assistant to the team, assigning him to morale. I recommended a never-ending stream of iced coffee, daily ice cream runs, individual fans, whatever it would take to keep this team happy. By the end of the week, the production assistant called me and asked for a new assignment. He was bored. The team was chronically happy, and not one order had been placed for iced tea or iced coffee or ice cream. When the team leader, Lisa, stopped by my office, I asked her about this stunning, perplexing lack of interest in ice cream. She explained that if she ate ice cream on every job, she'd be as big as the house she was painting, and further explained that she was fine, that they were more than fine. She said, this is what we do. It's fun for us. You could not pay me to sit here in this air-conditioned office but I will drive 45 minutes to work on that house. I've tried other parts of filmmaking, but it just doesn't work for me. I'm never happier than when I'm magically changing a place with a paintbrush. Lisa's comment sent me on a mission. Throughout the summer, I learned that the lighting guys had no interest in designing sets, The office staff was quite content to be the ones keeping the wheels spinning, and the caterers wanted nothing to do with light sets or office work because food, they said, is what makes people happy, and they would miss being so popular. It seems we each had a part to play that isn't quite like anybody else's part. Some of us are indoor cats, happiest with the stability of the same familiar chair. Some of us are outdoor cats, wanting to be outside. No, inside, no, outside again, no, no, inside, no. Some of us are working on the big picture, 
some of us on the small, macro, micro, yin, yang. The key, it seems, is listening to what brings you joy, and maybe more importantly, what does not? What, like Lisa, begs you to leave the air conditioning and go find a paintbrush? How, like Dr. Papaderos, do you reflect light and change some things in some people? My understanding of Buddhism is that there's this concept of dharma. Dharma is a Sanskrit word that translates directly as to uphold or to support, and it's explained by spiritual leader and yogi master Rolf Gates as the idea that we're born with gifts that are unique to us, and in the sharing of those gifts, we find fulfillment and the world is healed. We are the final words on our gifts. No one in the history of living beings is better than we are at what we are here to give. So the world needs us to share our gifts to be complete. Gates goes on to say that the experience of Dharma is pleasurable, but the biggest gift of Dharma isn't that it feels good, it's the impact that it has on the people around you. By embracing your path, you encourage me to embrace my own path. You show me the way. My clearest example of Dharma is very close to home. My dad is a social worker and a community organizer. My mom's a teacher and a public health nurse. I firmly believe that mom will be a nurse until the day after she dies. And if there is a heaven, dad will be the one to greet the newcomers at the door with a bear hug and help them find other people with whom they can work most effectively. My folks live in Florida, where the local UU churches have banded together with other denominations to end modern-day slavery among the immigrant tomato pickers there. Yes, slavery. Hundreds, hundreds of workers have been found locked into vehicles at night and beaten if they try to escape. Some of us were privileged to hear the stories of those workers firsthand when they came to visit us at this church last May. My father organizes protests and rallies crowds to sing, we shall not be moved, and is a familiar face in the Florida legislature. He leads a force to be reckoned with. It gets him out of bed in the morning, and it keeps him up at night. Macro, ying. It'll be a cold day in Florida before you catch my mother organizing protesters. But when the farm workers said that they needed help starting a daycare center, and the local UU congregation ran a strawberry shortcake fundraiser, Mom stood for 12 hours chopping strawberries and told me that she'd happily chop for 12 more, saying simply, oh, that's fun. Mom is from the school of one at a time. One strawberry, one daycare center, one person in need. While Dad organizes our community around systemic policy change and nationwide boycotts, Mom is a quiet anchor 
in her community, changing the dressing of a friend with a double mastectomy, showing another how to give herself an insulin shot, quietly checking that people have the right prescriptions, and sitting on the floor in the Sunday school, reaching the seemingly unreachable autistic child. She is a force to be reckoned with. Micro, Yang. And while dad can chop strawberries, I've seen it done, and mom has lobbied legislators, started international nursing programs on her own, it's not a source of joy. Neither brings them closer to peace. Taoism tells us that you must find peace in yourself for there to be peace in the home, and peace in the home for there to be peace in the community, peace in the community for there to be peace in the country, peace in the country for there to be peace in the world. So maybe moms acting in joy one at a time will build the peaceful community that dad needs to build a peaceful country, and we all need to build a peaceful world. Macro, micro, yin, yang, dharma, by embracing your path, you encourage me to embrace my own. You show me the way. The key, it seems, is listening to what brings you joy. Or maybe more importantly, what does not. What, like dad, begs you to sing as loud as you can for change on the steps of the state house. And what, like mom, calls you to quietly bring peace one at a time. My friend David has a more American, Americanized version of this Eastern philosophy, gifts, dharma. He believes that every one of us doesn't possess a gift, we possess a superpower. David's superpower is that he can sing like Neil Diamond. <laughs> On the days when I would tell him some sad relationship tale, he would sing, love on the rocks, ain't no big surprise. My superpower is clearly not that I can sing like Neil Diamond. Mine, wait for it, is that I can sleep anywhere, anytime, under any conditions. Uh-huh. Airports, bus stations, backseat of a 12-passenger van that doesn't have any shocks. Pretty good, huh? David currently uses his superpower to sing his infant daughter to sleep. Mine has allowed me to travel to corners of the earth I couldn't imagine. But I think our true superpower is that by using these gifts, whatever they are, super or not, by using our gifts slowly together, we repair the world. Pretty good, huh? By embracing your path, you encourage me to embrace my own. You show me the way. The Bhagavad Gita, one of the holy texts of Hinduism, tells us it is better to live your own destiny imperfectly than to live an imitation of somebody else's life with perfection. 
it is better to live your own destiny imperfectly than to live an imitation of somebody else's life to perfection. May we all live imperfectly, like Lisa, who chose to live her imperfect destiny in the sweltering heat with a paintbrush in her hand, like dad, who fights systems and policies, or mom who attends to those suffering under them. No one in the history of human beings is better than you are at what you have to give. And through that giving, the world is healed. You are the last word on your gifts. May we all live imperfectly. Blessed be.